Welcome to the Junior League of Greater Princeton Centennial Podcast, a show where we're sharing some of the most incredible, important, and memorable moments in our organization's 100-year history. In this week's episode, new member Heather Walkhart will be interviewing sustaining members about their leadership in the league and beyond. We'll let them introduce themselves. I'm Laura Smith. Um, I'm, uh, I've been involved, I think I moved here in 1972, and I've been involved in the league. Um, I continue to run a book group for the league, and for a while, we and, and now there's a group that's called The First Wednesday, which really meets the first Monday sometimes. That's really a chance for people to continue the friendship and learnings. At one point, I went for the league. I've done, I've been president of nine different boards, and I've uh, been uh, executive director of the Princeton YWCA for nine years. I have my own consulting business and I continue to work with nonprofits. And I created a conference at uh, Princeton University called Princeton Community Works that usually we had, it's all run by volunteers. It's in, and I have continued to run what's called community conversations around different topics two or three times a month and continue to do training because that's my passion. (laughs) Okay, that's me. Thank you so much. Francine, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Francine Block and I've been in the league since 1980, um, in this league since 87. Um, And we've made lifelong friends in the league and stuff that we still stay in contact with. And, you know, if we aren't in the same league with them at this point, Um, the league helped me help my family for them to understand that we were all going to volunteer. My children were each brought up, you know, that they definitely volunteered and um, continued it when they went on to college. Um, with Habitat and other programs that they did in college. And um, one of them still does things today as a a married father of two. Um, So that and getting my husband involved um, with volunteering, he knew about being a soccer coach and being a Boy Scout leader, but he didn't know about other things. So that is a family. And um, we would often volunteer at the soup kitchen in Trenton with my mother. So three levels of generations. And that's a memory that I think we will all always have. So those are the things I found important. I was able to take my league training um, like Marge to many local boards and being president and whatever. And then I was fortunate enough through my work to be able to be involved with national boards Um, and although work-related, you still have to know how to fire a volunteer. I can still remember having to do that on a state level, but then being involved on a national level. Um, And it's everything you've learned from league and the trainings that can take you out into the world. On my own um, college admissions educational consulting company um, for over 40 years, so a wonderful ride. I'd encourage anybody. I'm trying to get my daughter-in-law involved. Um, she has a six-week-old baby, so I'm oh, wow. a little bit older. Um, 
but they've moved to the burbs out of the city and it'll be a great way for her to meet people and get involved and she and and my son do do community service anyways so just to get it more organized awesome thank you francine and sharon i'm sharon copeland and i i honestly can't remember what year i joined the league but i think it was something uh, similar to francine um after my first son was born but before my daughter was born something like that so it had to be in the late 70s early 80s um uh so i have been a social worker my whole career and i spent uh, well over 40 45 years working in nonprofits, uh, most often as an executive director or chief executive officer and i retired about three years ago um but I have always felt that volunteering is such an important thing for us to do, whether we're working or uh, stay-at-home moms or um, no matter what our role is, to because volunteering gets us to become a part of an experience bigger than ourselves. And it, it connects us with other people. And I'm someone who strongly believes in the power of love and in the importance of building relationship and, um, you know, making our, our, what can I say, our, our homes, our communities, our neighborhoods, uh, welcoming places. And um, so I've been uh, involved as a professional person in uh, many different social, just social issues. And um, after retiring, then decided to, actually, I took a year off and did nothing. I strongly recommend that <laughs> for those of us who try to do too much. It was, it was a very restorative healing time. And then, uh, um, I, you know, then got my feet back into the fire and uh, have been doing volunteer work for the last two years, um, including right now, I co-chair a, a racial justice task force for my faith congregation. And I'm involved in a number of other things in the community where I live. Um, and I also actually do a lot of gardening and volunteer through gardening. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there are many different ways to, um, uh, you know, share yourself with others for, for making a better world. Thinking about leadership within um, the Junior League, a lot of really strong, very talented women are drawn to the league, whether it's because they want to serve their community, because they want to work on their own skills, they want to become better leaders. So was leadership one of the qualities you wanted to work on when you joined the league, or did you find that that was something you, you picked up along the way? Let's start with you, Marge. Okay, I would say that I picked up and had lots of opportunities for leadership along the way, uh, because I truly am somebody who having expe having experience being the first chosen and the last chosen, uh, I really tried had tried always as a leader to design things so people would feel included. What I needed because I had moved like seven times in nine years, I really felt that I wanted a place where people were committed to doing meaningful work. And I saw the Junior League as an opportunity to utilize my skill set with a group of, of kindred spirits 
who believe in the importance of volunteerism and wanted to make a difference. So is looking at it for a way of connecting, doing something meaningful and building relationships. Fantastic, thank you so much. Francine, what about you? So when I was invited to join the league, um, I'd never heard of it. I grew up in one of the probably still few states in the um, country without a league and I'm guessing and they still don't have one. So I didn't know what it was. Um, I believe I was asked to join because in my community, my small town of 15,000, um, people in the league saw me out in the community doing things. So, and I was, you know, obviously a whole lot younger, had a um, young child. And when I was invited to join, I had a newborn um, on top of the young child. But I think they thought I had what they were looking for. Once I started researching and finding out what the league was, I was very excited to be a part of it because it was going to give me, we can all lead, but do we know what we're doing? So the chance for the, um, the trainings that the league offered was a very exciting to me. And the opportunity I'd have, and it wasn't going to be in my town, it was um, 20 minutes away and it was, there, it was a city of 500,000 and it was all the suburbs and all. So a great chance for me to meet other people and then to get involved with, um, you know, a Ronald McDonald house, which I didn't know existed. And we were, there was one just coming and the league was doing the fundraiser for it. Suddenly I'm treasurer. But what the opportunities that provided me to be a better leader and to learn what I didn't know so I could help others, um, as well as getting to know my community better and meeting other people, as Marge said, like-minded, who wanted to do what we were doing. It was very, it was a great opportunity. Awesome, thank you. And Sharon? Well, actually, I didn't um, think about working on leadership when I joined the league either. I was more interesting, interested in a lot of the community organization and community involvement things that the league was doing. And then once I joined and was trained as a provisional, um, I realized that the training was a lot about leadership and management and facilitating more so than, than even community organizing. So, so got a lot of, um, what can I say, good skill building uh, when I did join the league. Great, thank you, Sharon. Um, Marge, I wanna come back to you. Um, you spoke a little bit about um, bringing previous experience with you when you came to the league, to the league uh, previous leadership experience. How do you feel like that benefited you in the early years of your membership? Oh, I think that I always have thought that um, leadership is not about me, it's about we. So the more opportunities you have to be part of trying to make we work, to enable people to be collaborative, you know, to deal with the conflict, that comes, that brings so much opportunity to learn and work with people. So, and also I had taught, I taught 11th and 12th grade English in like six different states. And so being a teacher is being a leader. I mean, if you really are good as a teacher, you, you motivate 
you try to enable the kids to own what they're learning. And so that, uh, and then I was one of the heads of student government at Smith College. So, I mean, I've just, and I ran a student bank. So I, that, the, that gave me such a wealth of experience that very few, I, I was really fortunate. So what was frustrating was to come, I don't know whether this is part of the question, but the, the league had working in a bargain box. Okay, I'm a disaster with clothing, with things, you know, I, it's a mess. <laughs> but my head is pretty clear about purpose and meaning and people. So my first job was required to, because I had just moved here to work in the bargain box. And that was such a nightmare. I mean, and I actually lost my fingers uh, in a lawnmower partially. And I was, the one good thing was I wasn't going to have to deal with clothing again. I mean, I mean you can't imagine. And that, I would say, really motivated me to make sure that anyone I work with gets to use their talents rather than be assigned. So I never tell, I always ask. And I would say that was a major experience being assigned to a job that was just such not a, it was such a mismatch that I almost quit. I mean, it was a nightmare. But in the end, it sounds like it was at least a valuable experience and that you well, I learned something. In, but if I, if, if I had been stuck at that permanently, I would have found another group that was really committed to utilizing people's talents. I mean, <laughs> so I, that, and so I really, that, that it, it's a bit, yes, that was a learning and it was reinforced. And fortunately, you know, it worked out. Good. Good. <laughs> it had a happy ending. <laughs> Good. We love happy ending. <laughs> um, so keeping kind of on that topic of, of using the talents that you already have, I wanted to jump over to... Francine, because you specifically mentioned the training opportunities that you had in the league. So maybe we're not talking about a skill that you already had or a talent you already had, but maybe something that you further developed or something new that you found out about yourself through those trainings. So, so what was valuable um, to you? What were some of the like key trainings you remember? So lots of things that I think about. Um, learning as a leader to say no, that an idea was not going to fly. It was not, you know, listen to everybody. And then when you have to make an executive decision to have the guts to do it, have enough information that you can say no, um, you know, using your board, but being the one in charge, the buck stops here. So I think learning that, um, I certainly learned a lot of, you know, how to, like March, my first job, um, fresh out of college, when I was only three years older than the kids, was a high school teacher as well. I taught history and a little bit of English. Um, and so, but that's a very different leadership position. At that time, children looked up to teachers. They didn't question. They weren't rude. They weren't obnoxious. The person in the head of the class the parents said they're in charge and they're right. Very different from today. So working with groups, I learned to listen um, better. 
to hear other opinions, to know that my opinion was not always right. Um, I also learned a lot of business things. I had no business experience, background, or anything. I run my own consulting practice now for over 30 years. And that's, you know, I think about one of the training sessions I went to in Montreal was um, uh, management by a MBO, which my two colleagues will know. Management by yeah. And to learn things like that, that I never thought I'd use. Um, I ended up being um, working my way up somehow and I ended up being treasurer. And this is, I know it's older than you were born probably, but it was prior to the computers, definitely no internet. And we would have to balance penny for penny every month. Um, and so learning to do that, learning to do the, the bookkeeping and stuff, that was nothing I'd ever had. Again, I have my own business now. But then taking that knowledge into other companies. I was on the United Way board for many, many, many years. And understanding when a Red Cross would come in and present a proposal or the Girl Scouts, whoever came in. I could, I'm volunteering, but I could read their spreadsheets. I could understand. So that immediately translated. You know, the things that I learned as I worked my way, I don't want to say worked my way up, as I kept getting picked to go higher and higher because you don't go into it to work your way up. Also, like Marge, we did have, it was called a thrift shop, and that was part of provisional. We all had to do that as well. Um, so, again, learning and working with the client. Um, all of you have had to work with the client, and they are not necessarily people that we knew growing up or whatever. It's why I love League because it gets you out there. It makes you feel like you're really helping, you know, the people that are there. Um, and so the chances to do that were fabulous. I mean, and I like, you know, my two colleagues sitting here, I have lots of fun, funny stories that are all part of the League as well. And that's a great part of the League. And for people like Marge who had moved, um, I moved from one league to this one. I was about to be incoming president of that one and then moved here. And the thing of moving is there's always somebody ready to say, hi, what can we do, you know, to introduce yourself. And when I came into this one, I actually was area one national officer because the feeling was we don't want to lose the training and energy we put into you. And that was how they decided to do it. My husband was living here already, did not know. And when we went house hunting, I had a cutoff geographically because Philadelphia area two starts literally outside of my township. And when I would say, well, we can't look there, he'd go, why? I'll tell you later. Eventually, <laughs> he, he found out. So, you know, to use the community relations pieces in various things I volunteered in, um, and as well as the business pieces in my volunteering, as well as in my business, which was certainly nothing I was thinking about at the time. Great. That was a very thorough answer. And I want to, am I done <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the moment? Um, so Sharon, I want to, I, I want to hear your thoughts, um, kind of on, on the same, on the same subject. Um, well, but I, what I recall when I joined the league, it was 
actually around the same time that I got my master's in social work and I was majoring in nonprofit administration. And so I felt like it was a very formative time for me. And I was just learning a lot, both through my education and through training I was getting in the junior league, you know, about um, leadership management, working, um, you know, as a, as a team, um, uh, uh, all about how to uh, focus on a particular mission or vision or something. And um, uh, kind of like Marge said earlier, um, uh, when when you feel really committed to getting something done, it's 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 important to to be able to focus on you know what it is that you want to accomplish. And um, I think one thing that really helped me in that whole area was learning about situational leadership which basically it's, it's a very basic um, approach that says, you know, you can't be the same style in your leadership for every kind of task mm -hmm. and effort that you want to undertake. So you need to keep reading the situation, reading the people you're working with and adjust, you know, your, your style, whether you're being a coach or more authoritarian or more um, in an, an empowerment kind of a style. And, that was really helpful um, for me then to be able to, you know, switch roles in terms of things, whether I did it, was doing it in the league or was doing it as a volunteer or, or doing it in my um, profession. And the other thing I thought was really helpful um, uh, about the league, um, it, during the provisional year, we took a Meyer Briggs test. I don't know if they're still doing that, but a lot of the self-reflection kinds of things I thought were really useful. And I certainly learned that I was an introvert. You know, it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, you can still lead. But it, knowledge about myself also helped me, um, you know, then know what's the appropriate way to address this particular situation. And, you know, sometimes I need to try things that aren't necessary the most natural fitting for me you know in order to still be effective in a leadership role so um i think a lot of my experience with the league ended up being you know working on committees heading up committees working you know being a board member being a league president um all of those things um over and over again helped me understand what a process is like to undertake something, you know, how a group forms, how it plans, what it does then to take action around an issue. And I think just being involved in that process over and over again really strengthens your ability to, um, to know what to do <laughs> so that, um, uh, over time, you're not second guessing yourself as much. It's kind of like, okay, here's, you know, here's a structure that uh, I can use and um, implement in, in many different places, in many different projects, in many different situations. Um, uh, so, so those things were all uh, helpful. Thank you. So I'm hearing 
I've heard from each of you so far a few like key words, a few key traits that that you you think are associated with strong and effective leaders. So Sharon, from you, I just heard essentially flexibility and self-awareness. Um, what are a few other words that you associate with an effective leader? You have um, to be committed and be able, oh, go ahead, you go with that. You ask Sharon, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Um, so, um, actually, uh, there, there are a couple things that I think are really key for being a strong and effective leader and listening is probably one of the biggest things. Cause I find out if you pay attention to what the people you are working with are saying, um, that just makes a huge difference then in terms of what you need to do as a leader to help help the group, the organization move from point A to point B. Um, but also a, a leader really needs to be open to learning. And personally, I believe leadership is a lot about empowering others. Uh, like Marge said earlier, it's about making um, the we work and do the work. But I, I wanted to um, share with you that, uh, so I retired about three years ago and took some time to think about what did I want to be involved in now that I'm retired. And besides spending more time with my kids and grandkids, you know, that's like a number one thing. Um, I decided to get involved in racial justice. And when the league, when the um, AJLI, the international organization, offered that 21-day challenge, I jumped at doing it. Um, now, I had been doing a lot of stuff with racial justice for almost two years before I joined that 21-day challenge. Um, and it was like taking a period of 21 days with a small group. There were six of us in my group and reading about something having to do with race, racism, anti-racism and talking about it. And it was just a very powerful, intense experience and it really helped me um, uh, begin to consolidate more my whole thinking about how, you know, how we lead. We come from our who we are, what our culture is, how organizations function also come from a cultural expectation. Like one of the things I so remember when I joined the league was that there was a right way to do things. And it was very intimidating. And I thought it was also a way that a way to really push a lot of people away, because if you didn't know the right way to do it, you know, you weren't belonging or something like that. And um, I do think over time, the, the league has moved away from some of that kind of rigid thinking about you have to do it this way. But as I've learned now about um, uh, let's say racism and understanding white privilege and understanding um, how so much of our leadership is based on the predominant culture. And here in the United States, that's the white culture. So how do we begin to rethink, actually rethink some of our ideas about leadership um, so that we can as I said, use that situational leadership to modify and adjust and even abandon some of the ways we used to think about, about leading. Um, 
so that you know if we if we want to value um, a, more of a collective approach, you know, which I thought I was already doing, but uh, I feel like I have deepened my understanding of what it means to be collective instead of emphasizing individualism. Um, that there that there are just more ways of being able to accomplish things um, uh, that that I've been able to learn, so that I can move more towards racial equity rather than you know emphasizing my white privilege for for in terms of how how to get things done. So I, I really appreciate the league once again being a part of an opportunity to learn some new stuff, you know, new skills, new ways of thinking, perceiving, and what to do with it. Great. I'm so glad you mentioned that 21 day challenge because I've been hearing great things about it. I haven't had the chance to do it myself yet, yeah. but I think I, at this point, have no reason not to. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon, for, for mentioning that. And those are some really great points, especially um, talking about leadership and that inclusivity and being able to incorporate other cultures, other viewpoints into your own leadership style. I think that's so, so important. Yeah. Let's jump over uh, to Marge. Marge, you were about to talk a little bit about your kind of key leadership traits. Um. <clears throat> Well, I think it's, uh, my mind is consumed with how to create structures that enable everyone to participate and feel included. And so um, I don't know whether it started in the league, but I think I've spent my whole life doing it. Um, and so for instance, uh, you know, for instance, with the, with the, one of the things I did get a chance to try out, I mean, it's always testing new ways of doing things. Like we had to decide whether the bargain box is the experience that I really thought was not my thing, but it might be other people's thing to whether it would stay open or not. Now that's not my decision. So I really had the, divided the group into two people, two groups. And the group that was for it had to argue the reasons against it. And the group that was against it had to present. So we had it, it enabled because otherwise, if you don't manage conflict well in a group, it ends up with one group winning and losing. And if you really try to structure, so that's the kind of thing that I'm always trying to create ways that, um, and so another way would be everybody writes down an idea on a three by five card of how they think, okay, you ask about what is leadership. Well, everybody writes down their idea, you pass it in, and then the group looks at, and it's not, it's not weighted by who's in power. So that's the kind of thing that I'm fascinated and continue to be fascinated ways to enable everyone to have a voice, I think is important, to know that everyone has something to offer. So I frequently have people do what are five things you like to do and three things you don't. And no one should ever do anything they don't like to do because they're going to do it poorly. They may leave. And why do you want a mess? I mean, why not have a happy group of people? So... Um, I'm just, that's, that's kind of what I'm consumed with, <laughs> uh, how to make it, how to make it work so that everyone feels empowered to make a difference. And for training, when I was involved as president, we, we got the national 
thing to get training on a project called volunteer development or something. And, and training became a major part because when you think about what we're trying to do, it's really significant. So people train people how to get the football over the goal line, but we don't train people how to stop hunger, how to eliminate racism. So what we're doing is incredibly meaningful, and we need to spend time and energy training people to do our job even more effectively. So the a major emphasis, I would say, that I that I help maybe make happen than the leak happened was the emphasis on training. The Meyer brings, I love. I mean, I love anything that enables us to understand each other so we can all work together more effectively. Great. Thank you so much. All right, Francine. I don't know that I that? could add anything. Um, Sharon immediately went to the first two words that come to mind for me, which was listening and learning. And that's what I think is so critical and um, just important, no matter who you are, whether you're a parent or a CEO, you got to listen and you've got to be willing to learn. And I was fascinated by Sharon because I've thought along the same line, Sharon, where am I going to put my time when I pivot away from the constant work um, with students and only do a little bit of it? So I was very interested in your thinking about that and researching it as well. Um, but the other thing that I think a good leader is making every member of the team feel valuable. Mm -hmm. Make them believe that they have contributed and that you have been willing to listen to them because you're going to get a whole lot better production out of them than when you ignore, don't learn, or anything else. So I think that would be one that I would probably add. And my leadership style, it's not something I learned in the league. It's something I got from my dad is a sense of humor. Anybody who's watching conduct, yes, conduct meetings. All the articles we've had to write as leaders for the, the monthly newsletter, the this, the that, all the stuff we've had to do that I used to dread. I found I used sense of humor with it. And people responded. I mean, people would come up to me at a, a membership meeting and go, you know, I really liked your last column or this, you know, and you know, in general, they don't read those things. So to me, a sense of humor is incredible. Um, and, and it just goes along with, and that wasn't a league thing, but you can bring it into anything you do as a leader. Um, and again, I think about always being willing to learn. I've thought about what would I want on my tombstone and it was she was never done learning. And I'm serious. That's one of the things because as I'm getting ready to pivot in a different direction for my work, I'm still signing up for all these webinars and stuff that I will not need, but I, they sound interesting and I want to learn something. So it's going to be a hard road for me to go the other way. Oh, Fran, I think I said at the beginning of this, you cannot, you you can't retire from who you are. No, so and I love to, that. You do not need to worry. Sharon's no, busy, I, I'm busy, I, you're going to be yeah, busy. And I, Heather, you're going to go forth, who knows? I mean, yeah. it's not going to be, you will not retire from who you are. It's, no, I love that. off your worry list. No, no. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I love that. Awesome. Oh, 
all these are such good answers. Um, I'm now like straying completely away from the topic because I just want to keep picking your brains on these specific things. Um, so, okay. Based off of all of that, one of the things that I'm curious about, because I have found that th this happening to me um, more than once, and this might not this might not have happened to you while you were in the league. It might have happened beforehand, especially for Marge, since you you had so much leadership experience prior. But was there was there a moment that you can recall, or or a, or a situation that you were put in, where all of a sudden it crystallized for you, and you realized, oh. I'm in charge. I'm responsible for this. I'm the one who has to make a decision. Um, what now? This is open to anybody. So one of the things that comes to mind, and I can't think of a specific instance, but when that happens, if you don't have all the facts, the what now is I've got to figure this out. And who can I turn to that can help me to give me the knowledge I don't have about this piece? So that's, I guess, going back to the league, teaching you as a leader, you don't have to know everything. You have to know where to get the answers. How do you turn to somebody else for help? So with, you know, what do I do now? It's where do I do my research? What do I do? And again, you've got to know that we were all involved prior to internet or prior to talking to Alexa or Siri or whatever, where you'd say, tell me, you know, which, you know, my husband referred to it as his girlfriend, ask your girlfriend this, I'll say. Um, and so we didn't have that. So the league teaches you, where do you reach out? You know, what do you need to know? Um, I mean, that would be the, thing that I think about because we can't no matter who we are we can't know everything you look at the president going into um, January 20th the team he had to pull who's going to be the secretary of the army who's going to head up HUD he doesn't know everybody out there you need to know where to turn and who to ask you know so a transition committee he had but the rest of us have where do we go? Who can I call to find out what I need to know? I think I, I agree with you totally, Fran. I've never thought about I. What am I going to do? Because it's already about we. Because if you decide what I'm going to do, and it's not what the group is, is really going to be committed to, not only are you missing out on incredible resources, but you're headed for disaster. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. Sometimes decisions are made on boards we may had that we may not agree with, but that's consensus. And you learn to figure it out and to live with it and to put the positive spin on it. Yeah, I, I certainly appreciate your answer, Francine. And um, uh, the one thing that came to mind when you asked that question, Heather, was... Um, so I became the league president in a show house year. And I thought, oh my God, this is so ironic that um, here I'm all about uh, service in the community and my year is a show house year. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. Um, but, you know, when you said we, we, we can't do it all, we really, 
are effective when we all work together on this. And the, the I, I think it was two or maybe three co-chairs. I'm sorry, I can't remember clearly enough of the show house. I felt like I don't need to micromanage them. They are experienced. They know what they're doing. I can trust them to do a good job. And so I felt like my role that year was trying to, you know, make sure we didn't uh, lose focus of any of the other important stuff we were trying to do and let them do their job. Um, and uh, I, so I think there are many different times throughout life that you have kind of these aha moments about, you know, what, how, how you can maybe be more effective actually by taking a step back yep. instead of a step forward. So. Thank you. All right. That was a lot of really valuable information. That was a great so far 40 minutes. So I want to ask um, one final question uh, to each of you. Um, and this was from the, the, the questions list I provided. Um, so, are there any resources that you would recommend, books, um, interviews, anything like that, TV documentaries, anything like that that you would recommend to our listeners um, who want to learn more about becoming more effective leaders? Well, I, I did do my homework and I actually brought a book. <laughs> So this is Salsa Soul and Spirit. And um, actually, it was a book written maybe more for leadership in a, a church context than um, a junior league context. It, and, and I have served on my um, faith congregations board several times. And as a board, we read this together. And this is about leadership for a multicultural age. And it really helped me to appreciate um, how different cultures have different approaches to leadership and what they bring to the table. And um, so I felt like that book was very helpful. And frankly, not to be too repetitive, but the 21 day challenge with AGLI, I am sure I got hundreds, literally hundreds of articles, to read videos, to watch, um, recommended books. Now they weren't all about leadership, but they certainly were about how we can more effectively work together in a, in a, in a diverse, equitable, inclusive way. So um, if, you, if you do that and get that list, I mean, I've, I've saved the list because it's just so valuable and there was so much there that I couldn't, I, you wouldn't want me to regurgitate that for today. <laughs> <laughs> no worries thank you that sounds great i would um i don't have it other than i have all these books i have thousands yeah. of books <laughs> i read all the time but the fact is i wouldn't recommend one book uh, but i do think that so much about being effective leader is understanding what uh, what happiness is all about so um there's this there's a website science for good out of berkeley and and they really, every month, they produce, you know, a calendar for what you can do for kindness. I think being able to express gratitude is incredibly important. 
all these studies out of Harvard and Berkeley, I'm into, you know, emotional intelligence and stuff like that. So all those things about how to express gratitude, um, you know, okay, is your, is your cup half empty or half full? Well, I'm happy I have a cup. I mean, we have to reframe as leaders ways people can look at things and acknowledge thanking and gratitude for what every person brings to the table. So I think if you would apply the general principles of what's important for happiness, having meaning, having positive relationships, utilizing your skill sets, uh, I think that if you would frame leadership around making that happen for any group, it would empower and make a better world. So they both have better, stronger answers than I do. <laughs> I think, well, because I thought about this, and some boards I've joined, national boards, you're given a reading list ahead of time. And it's more how to be and work with the board than to be the leader. But what I thought about for this that I thought was ever-changing and really powerful is if, uh, if you go to some of the top, MBA programs and go to their syllabus and look for their course on how to be a leader because it will always be one of the courses they are taught and look at the books offered and you'll be amazed at the variety but constantly good information you know the world is flat and all those kinds of books there's a point to them and they won't all be the same syllabus at each of the top programs. So it gives you a chance to intertwine and see what works for you. But these programs are trying to send people out into the world, may not be a leader in a community group the way we are talking about principally here, but being a leader in the world is equally important because they're going to make decisions about um, when they're leading a corporation gee, the bottom dollar could be improved if we cut something here versus this is the better way to do it, whether it's the green, you know, the green way to do it or whatever. But they're being taught to be leaders in a different effect in something that we don't always think about. That's a great suggestion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought to, to look up the syllabuses like that. Syllabi? Syllabus. But, and again, go for the specific course. You don't want it for the whole MBA program. But, you know, really interesting. When one of my sons was getting his MBA, they had a chance to meet Warren Buffett. I mean, and that was such an interesting experience. He sends a picture of him having lunch across the table from Warren Buffett. And just listening to that guy think and what went on in his head and everything else. Um, and it's not all money-making. It's how did he get to where he is? I mean, this is still an incredibly humble, humble gentleman. So Interesting. All right. Great. Okay. Well, thank you all so much. I think yes, this was you, a You've done a very good job. You're very affirmative. You like all our answers. This has really been very fun. Thank you. And you were thoughtful about the questions you asked. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm very glad that, that you had a good time.
for listening to this episode of the Junior League of Greater Princeton Centennial Podcast. The Junior League of Greater Princeton is an organization of women committed to promoting volunteerism, developing the potential of women, and improving communities through effective action and leadership of trained volunteers. Its purpose is exclusively educational and charitable. We value community. It is the heart of all we do. Volunteerism, the way we make a difference in our communities. Leadership, the development of individual potential and the collective power of women as leaders. Collaboration, the relationships we develop within our organization and through service with others. And respect for our members' time, energy, and well-being. Since its founding in 1921, the Junior League of Greater Princeton has been an organization of women bringing people and needs together. We welcome all women over the age of 21 who demonstrate a commitment to volunteerism, regardless of race, religion, or national origin. Currently, there are nearly 250 active, provisional, and sustaining members from Mercer, Middlesex, and Bucks counties and the surrounding areas. The Junior League of Greater Princeton is part of the Association of Junior Leagues International, which includes 292 leagues in the United States, Canada, Mexico, and Great Britain. For more information about what we do in the organization or how to get involved, visit www.jlgp.org.